Gotta be strong. 
You're listening to Days of Steam here on Newtown Radio. I'm your host, Neil Lichter. Days of Steam is every Thursday, I'd rather Thursday, from 1 to 3 p.m. I've got a special guest, James Duncan from Inner Moods in the studio. We're going to be hearing from them uh, top of the hour. Just going to be playing clock. I'll take over for three. The uh, website is newtownradio.com for the archives and live stream. On blog neonlichter.tumblr.com for show archives and future dates. Let's take about this is Days of Steam here on Newtown Radio in Brooklyn.
You're listening to Days of Steam here on Newtown Radio in Brooklyn. Been playing for the last hour in the studio. Very special guest, uh, James Duncan from Intermoons Records here in New York. How you doing? It's uh, actually, no, we can't. Let's uh, hang on a second. Let me do the old mic switch. This down. We're going to try that again, but with all the mics up. Oh, yep. Okay, I'm coming through. Are you coming through? I, am I coming through? You are yeah. coming through. Cool. I'm just going to have to do that thing where you have to speak directly into the mic because okay. half the people probably can't hear me right now. But oh. this, this is what the benefits of live radio <laughs> Anyway, so James has been involved in, those who don't know, he's been involved in uh, in-house electronic, but also through like jazz and punk and through a bunch of different genres for probably 25, 30 years now. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the first sort of thing I did publicly, you know, I was in bands in high school and DJing in high school in the 80s. <laughs> trying to forget those days sometimes. Uh, but yeah, like I think 1993 in Toronto, um, started there putting, doing, doing bands and then went into sort of like a free jazz thing that we got into but always making bought a sampler at the same time so sort of parallel worlds and just sort of combined them eventually got comfortable enough to be like why don't i do both of these <laughs> there wasn't much in the way of dialogue i guess between these communities yeah toronto was really separate like it was super separate um you know spheres like they overlapped a little bit but they were they they were completely different communities, you know? And so um, that's what I was found a little refreshing about New York, even though it had its own little spheres as well. Like, I mean, it's just by guilty via association or whatever, you know, everybody sort of knows each Somebody, like six degrees of separation, you end up like, oh, he, she, blah, yeah. blah, knows somebody, blah, blah. There's a weird connection. So I always liked that. That's why I ended up, I think, sort of starting to come down here a lot because it all just sort of melted together. Uh, but I, I, you know, I really obviously love Toronto. Um, it was a great place to do music, lots of talented people. So in starting with that, like there was that switch between um, starting out doing free jazz and your work as a trumpeter, like, yeah. and with those that don't know James being the person behind a lot of, so you were working with like people like Metro Area and guys. When and, I went, yeah, was, so. that's what sort of got me. Um, I mean, I was a huge Morgan Guys fan. So I was just buying his records in Toronto, you know, and I was starting when I started making house tracks, like, because I really got into disco. I was sort of making beat tapes and I got, you know, I was buying breaks or whatever and all the, the, the records to make hip hop. And then I eventually just sort of like got really into like the, the more disco sounds that, that were actually, you know, easier to find because no one wanted to buy disco records back then. And uh, I got really into it. And then I sort of like rediscovered dance music because I was totally into dance music and DJing in the 80s and, um, you know, started hearing all these guys just reworking all these disco tracks. I was like, what are these guys doing? Like, this is amazing. And, uh, you know, started creating tracks and sending them out and uh, sent some stuff to Terrence Parker and then um, also sent some stuff to Morgan. And he got back in touch and was really nice, had some great feedback. And then uh, I would just come down and visit and uh, I would sort of seek them out, seek those guys out. They were just starting Metro Area. They had just done the first um, 
first EP. So this would have been around like 99. Oh, so like 99. Yeah. And then Morgan stuff, I was checking out like 96, you know. And then he started, I think, in Byron Proper, like 97 or something. Like, um, oh, he probably started it earlier, but the, the first records I that came across my radar were like, you know, 96, 97. Um, the Danny Lang stuff. And, and so I was just like, what is this stuff? It's amazing, you know? And so then he would just write out these emails. I got on his email list or something. He would write these like, emails like, Metroid is playing with a live drum machine. And it, with a live drum machine. And it just sounded like the most amazing thing. Like being like, you know, the kid in your a room, like hearing these emails come in and th thinking about what these shows would be like. Like just be like, amazing, I gotta go, you know? But he, he never was playing when I would come down and just hang out. So we eventually connected through actually through Brendan Green. Um, and I was just like, hey, I'm the guy sending you all the tracks, you know? And then I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a trumpet player, you know? I was like, oh yeah, we could use some horn. Like, and so they just ended up playing on Super, which was a record under his own name. I think that's the first thing I did with him. Um, and then we did, uh, got ready for the Metro Area stuff and uh, the album. And then we did the Rapture remix, which, uh, you know, it was a big trumpet part on that. So that was, it was a lot of work there for, for me. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how you have like, so, you know, if, if you're talking early 2000s, you'll have like this cross, you know, people like, you know, Brennan Green and Tim Sweeney and doing all like the stuff with like Chinatown Records and this whole like, what seemed like a first fusion in my eyes of this whole very like jazz and sort of early disco yeah. scene with this. Not so much like a fusion of like not that disco and house and jazz hadn't mixed before, but how it seemed to be a very specific milieu to this time and age where yeah. then you go a forward, you know, 15 odd years and you start to see these records either becoming popular again or like seeing, you know, people like Morgan still churning out music, right. like Metro Area doing live shows or yeah. playing out again. Yeah. And it was like a really, um, what I really liked about it, it wasn't just like Morgan wasn't like, or I'll keep talking. He wouldn't be like, here, just, which I got a little frustrated with you know in the 90s and be like oh there's a live instrument on the track they're just playing not that it's bad but it's just like okay now it's like the guy ran out of ideas so they got a live instrument to play for the next four minutes and just did a solo or whatever and it was much more manner mannered approach you know like it was like it was it was part of the intricacy of the of the, the counterpoint of the track you know it was really important to have that part and i really appreciate that you know because i didn't I mean, I, I don't mind doing solos or whatever, like, but I try to avoid that, to be honest. Like, I've done a few of them, and I've, I've tried records like that, and I think they worked out great. But, yeah, like, using the instruments is just, like, you know, another part of the palette. That the live instruments is part of the palette that, that can be, you know, drawn upon. And uh, using them in a really, you know, um, in, a, in a way that is, um, you know, measured. So I really like that approach, and then so obviously I love the stuff, and then able to be on some of the records. Total blessing. Yeah. And then you, you, and you were working with that with people like, um, so I know you did some stuff with Arthur's Landing, and how that yeah. was that was working where you're taking that old influence as well, but you're reinterpreting it in a different way, and it still it doesn't feel like hearing those records. It doesn't feel so much like a pastiche, but more like something which, it, again, it's of the moment. Yeah. But it's I what sounds like a more honest and faithful interpretation than if you just did say a cover and you know sort of like someone like arthur russell of course being um an artist that a lot of you know underappreciated in his time when says and now it's like people being rediscovered now yeah um like when you when you felt called to work with that project like how like what was your influence behind that like how did well, you how did you get involved with yeah that? um 
it came across my radar because they were they were getting together again and they they sensed that you know hey there was a rediscovery of arthur's music and i mean i was total, obviously totally enamored with arthur's disco music mm -hmm. and and i didn't know much of the his sort of popular you know you know pop pop side um which came out in the movie you know they showcased that a lot and uh so they would actually it was interesting arthur i didn't i never met the man so i don't want to you know predispose anything but he had like two spheres of people he worked with like he worked with all the disco folks and then he worked with a lot of like people from the you know the no wave scene or whatever or like you know pop people people that played with the ramones or whatever on the pop side and they didn't really coalesce like they didn't really coalesce so that project was the first time i think a lot of those folks worked together like ernie brooks from the modern lovers was in the band and like mustafa ahmed who was conga player on all the dinosaur uh l stuff you know it's like so those guys had all come together so it was just interesting for me to be a fly on the wall and watch them you know who has been 40 years been doing this stuff and, and sort of see you know their their trials and tribulations and how they were trying to deal with arthur's legacy too and they're the guys that actually and the and the women that like a lodi uh that actually you know were really instrumental in in you know realizing arthur's vision so and I think it's also you. A lot of people have a popular memory of that area, thinking that it was a big melting pot in the sense that all of these groups did mix. Yeah, but there's still like the it divisions was still, are just as stark. Yeah, it was just as different. Like it's so it's so easy to go back and you know you know rewrite history. It seems mm -hmm. like everybody who's rewriting history is also writing themselves into history. You know, oh, so sure. like when you, uh, I really like that project because it was really raw and it was like, yeah. And then you get to hear these stories. And I played with Stephen Hall and a couple couple of nice solo things that we did some of Arthur's you know more pop tracks as a duo um and it was just it was really interesting to see yeah like okay the, there's the official story and then this, <laughs> this you know you, you know, roll back the the veneer and like oh this is what was really happening and yeah those guys were not like Arthur was going into separate circles and and immersing himself in them but he wasn't really cross-pollinating much once he got into those interests you know what i mean it almost felt like he was not a free agent exactly but just sort of he was in his own orbit yeah he got into something he went full full on into that in that that community and and worked with everything and there. there's a lot of like surprises like it was only a couple like a few months ago i found out that julius eastman another person who's getting a huge revival yeah that he was on like in the dinosaur collective he was like in the voices of go bang it's yeah. like but he was just part of the picture and you wouldn't think you know someone with that kind of you know more of a classical background and that was perhaps i don't want to say even more avant-garde than arthur but certainly didn't have as many like the same kind of pop ambitions yeah. that you look at someone like arthur did or if not ambitions and at least crossover potential but it was still part of that same kind of milieu yeah and i guess it's also sort of going forward to like what you've been doing with inner moods about how some of the work you've been doing is looking at um larger groups but like side off and smaller projects like yeah you because you mentioned you're doing some work for instrumental with Dennis Young who's yeah. part of Liquid Liquid but what's being released like I mean you can explain it better how it doesn't sound like this is something that Liquid Liquid would do maybe. right yeah I wanted like Dennis has been he he um did a whole bunch and I I had a Porta studio in a Tascam Porta studio in my bedroom in the, in the 80s and was trying to just make you know ended I probably ended up sounding like really bad you know UB40 tracks or something but I was trying to make music and I had a drum machine and I had a guitar and I was trying to figure out how to make music. So I've always had a soft spot for the Porter Studio, the Tascam Porter Studio 4-track cassette recorder. And so Dennis had 
bought one of those when Liquid Liquid sort of wound down. And he just made all these incredible ambient uh, tracks, like tons of them. And he recently found the tapes. And so he got, he went and bought another, you know, Tascam, the same machine he had, and he had to get it, you know, updated and like get it cleaned up. But he's been putting out a lot of stuff. So I, yeah, I was like, you know, I thought that that would be really interesting. It's really interesting to see a guy like coming out of such a rhythmic project like Link Liquid Liquid and seeing what was in his brain, you know. So I like that. I like that investigation of like, you know, sort of offshoot projects. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's great. He's been putting out a lot of stuff and I'm super excited. That'll be the next release on Intermoods. I'm just getting it ready now. And so the label has, you know, it's definitely a house dance music oriented focus, but it's there's also like the circles around it that I want to explore. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, I might, you know, there might I might there's a couple other projects that would push that boundary even more, which is what I did with my first label, the system, which was I, I put out anything. Put out free jazz records, like I put out a pop record, mostly on my own then my own stuff, but I sort of was trying to gauge whether I could do that with intermoves, like, you know, maybe put out like a free jazz record. I might put out a sunrock record or something. Like so yeah. But I mean it would be totally out of the scope and sort of the the mo of the label you know i'd have to do artwork it's like that's yeah. what i love about dance music records they're so utilitarian you just put them out you just need a white label and yeah alone is like yeah like the i like that workman quality of it you know rather than presenting okay here's a piece or a showcase or whatever yeah. it's like this is what someone was feeling at this time here like the immediacy of it it's a lot like disco yeah yeah it feels like there's always that division between like obviously you know speaking as someone who's done graphic design it feel like if someone you can tell has put a lot of effort um, not just maybe in just one cover, but also in creating an identifiable yeah. brand that can be appreciated. And then sometimes, you know, you look in like the dollar bins and sometimes it's the records that just have the worst artwork or the most utilitarian. Exactly. They're the ones with the They're jams. the ones. Like, yeah, they're both. There's there's obviously room for both and both are totally I think the one that like sticks out for me is um, a lot of the stuff coming out of Quebec sort of in like the late 90s, early 2000s of people like Marc Leclerc and Stéphane Beaupré and like, I can't remember the name of like their labels, but like like I think uh, like Bunker I think may have been one of them. I know there's a Dutch label in this one, but then they were just doing these really whacked out cartoonish covers that you can tell like they're ta both taking it seriously, but like they're saying no, we're doing this, but also they're willing to have fun. Yeah, and it's like to me that's like oh, so you're actually willing to if not poke fun at yourself then go about it and think that there's some kind of a sense of humor to it well, that and still produce music yeah. that's like, that what was, are you doing? Yeah, well, that was a bit about the system. I always just thought it was like, like that was my first label I started in 99, and it was just like, the name was a bit of a joke. You know, I always hate the name, but it was a joke because everything was so serious, like mm -hmm. dance, like system, or like, you know, like, you know, there everything was super, super serious, and it was just like, you know, why don't I just make it French? Like, you know, like make a stupid name, like make a serious name, but make it French. And like that was sort of yeah. funny, you know? I mean, like, it counts as CanCon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm no, I'm no disrespect to, to the French language, but it just was like, you know, it's such a, it, like everything was so serious in yeah. the 90s. And of course you met, you, you know, it's like the popular thing here of you, you know, we still think in America of like French as being ex like sort of an elitist kind of thing. Or yeah. Being very fancy. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, it's like, it's, it, it was just sort of this different, you know, it's just a different side of the country. It was yeah. so much more comfortable. So I was like, ah, I don't really know that much about Montreal, but like, you know, if if if, if they were going to be serious, it would come out like that. Like, yeah. it would be some sort of weird riff on like a really serious thing, but it would just come out like, I would think, in a really funny, like 
sympathetically funny, yeah. not like haha, you yeah. funny like uh, way. And so I was just sort of trying to speak to that. And then I, I just hated the name, so I stopped the label. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh god, I'm stuck with this oh, damn boy. name, yeah, this creation of mine. Yeah. <laughs> so. So what is it you've got um, for us? For the rest of the show, what have you got planned out? I could just play a bit of the Dennis Young stuff. Yeah, uh, I'd say, love to do that. When I'm, is the that record coming? The, out? It should be out. Like we're just starting to press. Um, I'm getting the orders. It's done. So you know, go to your favorite record retailer and do a pre-order if you want online, or wait for it to come around. I think it'll be here. I think the mixtape shop in locally has, has been stocking the releases. I know he's been stocking uh, Dennis's other releases, and they're fantastic. So uh, yeah, probably like early summer. You know, okay. So and then I'm getting trying to get. Other releases ready as well. So, okay. Yeah. And then obviously the older, like Roberta and uh, Abacus, another great Toronto producer. Yeah. And then um, I, some other releases that uh, sort of I, I, I'm, I maybe are on the label or aren't on the label. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, who else? I'm, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, oh, Dan Louis. Uh, I just did Dan Louis, uh, reissued Dan Louis, another great Toronto artist. So, him and Stephanie. Yeah, so just keep going along with that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think now that maybe that's maybe that's sort of prime for the next revival of both of us. You know, in different generations, but being very aware of what our city scene was like, how it had its own very distinct um, feel to it. Yeah, you know, much as like the prescription sound in Chicago or the strictly rhythm sound here, it's like you know, people, you guys, people, DNH, whatever, like Hayden, Andre, all those people had like a very specific um, and recognizably Toronto sound to it. Yeah. So, how that's I, like whether or not that's being recognized more and more is admittedly I'm a bit ignorant of that I don't know how its effect is seen elsewhere but it's just interesting how there is that kind of a thing that yeah and really, you sort of have really to leave at. the environment to like I guess like that's like anywhere you go somewhere else and you sort of realize like oh that's what they that's what we sound like or that's okay yeah. <laughs> okay cool so and how like you know there's so many like young producers coming out of there now and it's like they so, you know, are they taking cues from that? Are they just going off? And yeah, doing their own thing? it's it's interesting. I'm trying to sort that out. I mean, I'll be up there. Um, I mean, everybody's so talented, and it's it's also not like it's also just me presenting it in tandem with other artists. I'm yeah. Like, it's not like oh, it's a Toronto-based retro label. Yeah. It's just ha- and like the the Abigus track is a fairly new track. Um, I'm trying to re- resist, you know, doing a lot of reissues, but it's just Dan isn't doing any records anymore so and it was, this was my favorite record of his so I, mm-hmm. I i put it out and he was nice enough to let me do it i thought there would be interest on it so uh yeah so it's just it's just it's just another part of the of the puzzle it's not like oh this is the toronto reissue yeah. series or something just, you know? yeah yeah i want to just present the music and let, let the chips fall all right yeah. so i think uh we should start that now i've got about 40 minutes left cool. in the show um so you're going to start it with some of the dennis young stuff yeah i'll play the i'll play the th- the three dennis young tracks okay yeah, yeah, go yeah. on ahead. Yeah, cool. And again, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. So um, again, so if you want, if we people want to know more about Inner Moods, where would they find that? Oh, out? just uh, SoundCloud, inner, like innermoods.com, and then Discogs, and then SoundCloud. There's the links to the clips on SoundCloud. So okay. I try to put everything up. I'm really bad at this stuff. I mean, <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, I don't even think I have half the releases on my USB, like on my own releases. So, <laughs> like, I finally remembered that. Yeah. We will, so the, the link for that, um, we're going to put that up on the website. Oh, so that'll great. be at neonlichter.tumblr.com. So we'll get full uh, archive of this episode and also um, relevant links. So be able to figure out where that goes. Cool. So without further ado, uh, for the rest of the show, we'll have James Duncan here on Days of Steam here on Newtown Radio. That is newtownradio.com every other Thursday. 1 to 3 p.m. Oh, just let that 
uh, set up um, in the background. I think there was one track I played either was, was it Stennis? No, I don't know if it was Stennis. Mouse on Mars. Um, and then there was actually a Morgan Geist track under there. Uh, full track listing I'm going to be posting uh, on the website. Again, that's neondicta.tumblr.com. Also check us out. Same thing on Facebook and Twitter, underscore neondicta, Instagram, same. So I'm just going to let James set up and then keep on going. This is Days of Steam. You're listening to Newtown Radio, broadcasting from somewhere in Bushwick here in Brooklyn, USA.
listening to Days of Steam here on Newtown Radio. Ending off the show with mixed by James Duncan. Thank you so much, James. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. I had a total blast. Where um where can we hear you next? If you're playing uh, that's a good question. I might be playing at Smart Bar in Chicago. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually going to be talking about being Canadian. I'm, I don't think they can get the visa done. I'm trying to get my new work visa, musician's visa, but uh, I don't think it'll get done in time for mm. this one. But they're going to try to do it again. Okay. Um, and there's a couple things floating around. Hopefully, I'm be locally. You know, I'm, I was just like doing bar gigs too. So. <laughs> so, with that. Yeah, I love I love bar gigs. So then, uh, with and just with inner moods, just in mind, where uh, can we get more information about? Yeah, innermoods.com or like I mean the social platforms, which I never update. Um, yeah, or just do like on your favorite record store. I'm sure they should have them, and then you can okay. just go through the catalog and ideally Smooth. and shoot me a note if, if you can't reach any get anything or you know I'm, I'm accessible. Cool. Okay, so um, this is from us this week. Uh, you'll hear us in two weeks' time. Should have uh, potentially two guests in the studio with Heidi P and Deflector, if that's going to work out. But for more information, go to neonlichter.tumblr.com, also newtownradio.com uh, for full archives, information, track listings, all that good stuff. You'll hear from me in two weeks. My name is Neon Lichter. You're listening to Days of Steam here on Newtown Radio in Brooklyn. I don't mind No fear, no fear, no fear, no fear No.